All right, hey, if you got your stuff there, we're gonna dive into uh, this message. We're starting a brand new series today called, called Forward. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about that in, in a minute. But you, you ever think like, what keeps us from moving forward? I mean, just like in a, in a practical way. So sometimes it's, it's just because we're stuck. I remember a few years ago, I'd gone up to the mountains. Um, in fact, I shared with you last week, it, it was during my sabbatical, I'd gone up and got snowed in. And it was that time and I was trying to get my vehicle out and there had been so much snow that like a, literally it would start bunching up around the tires and like it, it wouldn't move. And so I did what, you know, what people do when you're stuck. You just give it more gas, you know? And so I remember just like, you know, the tires are spinning and you, know, you look back and get out, and it's like, okay, I just made now an ice sculpture under my tires, and now I really can't get out. And I'll tell you, it, it is the most frustrating feeling, especially if you're trying to be somewhere, you're trying to go somewhere, and you're just stuck. And I know we've had a lot of rain lately, and I don't know if you've been stuck in those places or, or where your car dies or any of those things, and you're just like, what is going on? Because you're doing everything in your power, right? Like when I was stuck in the snow, I, I get the shovel out. I'm trying to do everything I can. And you just, you feel like your blood pressure is going up and all you want to do is move and you can't. And then you realize it's more than just cars. It's more than just being stuck in an elevator, which I've had that experience too. It's not just being stuck in a job or a career that maybe we sometimes feel we are. Sometimes it's these deeper things. And we're like, how do, how, do I even, how do I even take a step forward? And it seems like in those moments, our, our insecurities and our fears and our anxieties and our frustrations seem to all clamp down and we just, like, we can't even move. And all we want is just, is just some forward some forward momentum, something to allow us just to take that one little millimeter of a step. And that's really what this, this series is about, called Forward. We're gonna be diving into God's invitation to take the next right step. And I know the question sometimes is how, and we're gonna dive into some of those how things, but sometimes it's just identifying these are the things that, that keep us captive. And even though you might be facing some challenges that are spiritual in nature, or emotional in nature. Sometimes it's even mental. Like we, we keep struggling with our, with our thoughts and, and where our thoughts take us and how it sometimes seems very, very dark and bleak. That, that, that can happen. It may be a financially stuck place. And in those times, shame has a way of gripping us. Like we should know better, or we should be better, or we should, we should know our way through this, or regret. I wish we had done something different in the past, and yet here I am stuck. I think all of us, to some degree, have definitely walked through those times, that you may be in those times right now. And I want you to see today that God invites us to walk in a place of freedom. Doesn't mean that we'll never have problems, doesn't mean that there won't be issues that we face, but that he's actually made a way for us to live in freedom. And so we wanna look at that, we wanna see how, how God addresses those things, how he engages with those things, and how he sees us as, as brand new. Second Corinthians says that, that we're like new creations. That's what he does in us. And so, 
We're, we're going to walk in that. The, the struggle, though, is sometimes, even though Christ has set us free, Scripture tells us, that when he went to the cross and did all of that, that it was kind of done and paid for, that sometimes we still live as if that's the reality, like, like we are imprisoned, and yet Jesus said, you've been, you've been made free. I, I read an article uh, just recently, and it was, it was saying how oftentimes uh, in, in war, two countries or two nations are going at it and they've reached a place of truce and, you know, and they declare, hey, the war is over. But there are soldiers who are out in the field who are in places that are a little more remote. They don't get the message. And so they still think the war is going on. And this is especially true in history without modern communication and all those things that happened. So in this article I was reading, it cited uh, that back in the early 2000s, like 2005, 2006, in the Philippines, there were these two Japanese soldiers that were found. And they were, you ready for this? They were 87 and 85 years old. And they had no idea that World War II was over. I mean, you think about this. They were probably in their 20s, and now here they are, 50-some years later, they have no idea that the war is over, and they are still doing everything they can to be faithful to their country and to still fight and to still be a good soldier. It's like, I, I read that and thought, how, how sad to have lived under the impression that you're still at war, but it's actually over. And then I thought, that's exactly what we do. And I think about the similar event 2,000 years ago. Jesus Christ came, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, ultimately went to the cross and was crucified there for your sins and for mine, paid the price. And the Bible says that he took care of, that he defeated once and for all the greatest challenge and the greatest enemy in our lives, sin. Sin and death and the grave. And he beat them all and he rose again. So the Bible says that today he lives as king and he is on the throne. And the good news for every single one of us is that the war is done. It's been paid for. Jesus even said when he died, it is finished. Those were his words. It was finished. The payment had been made. Sin was defeated. And then he rose again to claim all of that. So when I look at it, it's like, when I come to Christ, there, there's no hoops I have to jump through. There's, there's no trying to, trying to prove it or anything like that. It, it's simply a matter of receiving by faith, through the grace of God, the finished work that Christ did. So the war has been decided. Here's what the apostle Paul wrote in Romans 5. He said, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Then he says, because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. What's he saying? He's saying, Jesus has done it all. And because of our faith in Christ, we now stand as sons and daughters of the Most High and we confidently look forward to sharing in God's glory. It's like Jesus won. So we, here's that part of it, so we get it, right? Here's the other part. Man, I still face battles. I still find myself stuck sometimes. Even though our enemy, Satan, has been defeated, he is still 
active today because the finality hasn't come yet. So we look at that, and, and his role is still, as Jesus told us, to steal, kill, and destroy. So every chance he gets, the enemy is trying to discourage us and steal from us and trip us up and ensnare us and all of these things. So sometimes you and I, we're still fighting battles. We're still trying to make our way through. Sometimes we're just stuck, like spinning those tires and seeing it get icier and icier, not moving at all. And what we do is we rack our brains trying to figure out some way that we can figure all this out and we can manage it and be strong enough that we can somehow move forward. But it's just overwhelming. So here's what I want to take hold of today. That you and I are invited to step forward to take a step into the freedom that Christ has purchased for you. What does it look like to walk in that freedom? What holds us back from that kind of freedom? Paul wrote this in Galatians 5. He said, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. So he's saying, listen, you are free in Christ, but you got to stay free and you got to live in that freedom. Now, that's a theme that runs all through the Bible from beginning to end, that sin and separation have got us stuck and lost, but that God makes a way, ultimately through Christ that we see, to be renewed and restored and reconciled, to move forward towards him. But part of the struggle is that in our culture, we've actually been fooled into thinking that sin is freedom right? If I could just do what I want to do, like without all the constraints of morality or what religion says, if I could just do what I want to do, that would be real freedom. But the Bible actually calls that kind of license, that kind of, hey, I'll just do whatever I want. Whatever, whatever I desire, whatever I want to feed, I'll just feed. Whatever I want to pursue, I'll just pursue. Whatever I want to own, I'll just own. That kind of, hey, no rules, do whatever I want. Culture has told us, man, that really makes you free. And the Bible says, you've actually become a slave. You've actually become a slave to sin. Because you think, I can just feed my appetites. Can I just tell you this? And you, you already know this. What happens when you feed your appetites? And I'm not talking about food now, but for the things you desire, when, there, when there's no boundaries, do you find yourself really free? Or do you find yourself more stuck? Do you find that somehow habits and addictions and struggles begin to take over and consume your life? That's what we find. And it's really easy to look at culture, like to look at, I mean, the easiest people to look at, right, are celebrities, whether it's political or TV and movies or video or social media or sports or music or whatever it might be. And we look at people with all kinds of wealth. And there's a part of us that goes, man, wish I had that. Wish I could drive a car like that. Wish I could have a house like that. You ever see these things come through? It's like they sold their fifth home for $8.9 million. Like what? Like who has that, right? And we just think, wow, that must be great to have all that. And yet we've all seen the ends of the stories, right? And you see families that are destroyed and you see marriages that are just, that are just wasted and you see addictions and all kinds of things. And I'm not trying to throw those people under the bus because we face the same things just on a different scale. 
But you realize that, that license and no boundaries and just, hey, what the world tells us you'll be really free is actually what keeps you enslaved. And so what you're gonna hear today is different from what you're gonna hear in our culture. Very different. There's this passage in the Old Testament book of Isaiah where the prophet is telling the people, they kind of went off on their own and did that very thing. They just lived however they wanted to live. They kind of pushed God to the side and said, we're gonna worship idols, we're gonna do all these other things we want. And Isaiah told them, he says, listen guys, listen, you're gonna go into captivity. You're actually gonna get captured by another nation and taken away. And he said, and it's gonna be hard. And it's gonna be so easy to get stuck thinking nothing will ever be different and nothing will ever change, kind of like what we do. And then he tells them this, but God sees you. And God is already working ahead of you for your freedom. Here's, here's what God says in Isaiah. He says, but forget all that you've seen before, right? All that stuff you, you counted on, all that stuff you wanted, all the regrets, all the things. He goes, forget all that. He said, it's because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm about to do something new, and he goes, see, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now that's kind of symbolic language there. But he, he's saying this, he goes, the places where you feel most stuck and most dry and feel like you're starving or uh, you, like you have nothing, he says, those are the places where I'm gonna bring my greatest provision. You're gonna see my hand at work. So will you trust me? Will you trust me? He says, I want you to know that I'm the God who sets people free from bondage and stuck places. And if you read through the rest of that, you say, that's what I did in Egypt when I, when I rescued my people from slavery and brought them into the promised land. And then he looks at you and I, and he says, and I will do the same thing in you. Give you the courage to take a step forward towards me, regardless of how stuck you feel. So I want to give us a few things today, these arenas that often get us most mired down. And these are some kind of bigger areas. And over this series, uh, we're going to be looking at some of these things and some different things that keep us in those places and how we can find the freedom to move forward in that. All right, so write this down for number one. I move forward in freedom by dying to self. By dying to self. Now, if you've never heard that phrase before, I know it sounds a little bit odd. And you may even be kind of writing it down going, dying to self, dying to self. I don't know if I actually want to do that, right? That sounds like a little like, like what does it mean? Like, like all that I love and like and everything in me, I just, like I'm just throwing that out the window? Like what in the world does that mean? Well, here's what it is. Where we once pursued selfish pleasures, what I want, what I desire, what I can have, it's all about me. Where we once pursued that, dying to self means I lay that aside and instead I pursue with equal passion that which pleases God. That I want his way rather than my way. Because I've realized that my way isn't leading to anything good. My way keeps, keep, keeps me stuck, but his way is gonna bring me life. And so I'm gonna choose that way. And I will tell you this, dying to self in scripture is something that is never seen as optional in our journey with Christ. It's like, yeah, I believe in God and I'm gonna do everything I want on my own. I'm just gonna live my own way, but I, I believe in God. 
The Bible tells us you, know, you, you, you can't play both ways. Who, who are you going to choose? Who are you going to follow? It's always a choice that is put in our hands. And dying to self is the reality of the new birth, that no one can come to Christ unless he's willing to see his old life, and here's kind of a term from the Bible, but crucified, old life just pushed to the side with Christ and begin to live anew in obedience to him. Now, I know sometimes the fear in that is like, Dave, are you saying like, I'm just gonna become kind of a clone of other people and like I, I lose it? No, 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 no. God has made you and he loves how he's made you. He loves your personality. Um, I mean, the person next to you might not like it, but God does, right? And, and God loves your sense of humor and your gifts and your abilities and your talents, all the things that, that make you you. God loves that and God actually wants to use that. He says, yeah, come and follow after me. That is the beautiful thing about that. So it's not, it's not losing who God made you to be, it's actually embracing who God made you to be. Here's what Paul wrote. Sorry, this is what Jesus said. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Now, there's a couple things in there that's kind of interesting. One is he says, if you want to be my follower, give up your own way and take up your cross daily. In other words, you're, you're saying no to self, you're dying to self, and you're following after him. There's something about that daily part that I think is important. Because we just finished a series called 24, right? We started this whole year by saying we're going to take 24 days and we're going to read a little bit of God's word every day. We're going to pray every day. We're going we're to take one meal a week and we're going to fast and then we're going we're to keep track of see what God is doing, right? I encourage you. That ended on Wednesday this past week. That was the 24 days. But can I tell you this? Please don't let it end 24 was just the start. This is the beginning of a new walk and a new journey with Jesus where every single day we read some of his word. Every single day we come and we connect with God moment by moment through the day. Jesus, thank you for being with me. Maybe, maybe in, the, in the future what you want to do is just take maybe one meal a month or one meal every few weeks and fast during that time and give it to the Lord. And then just keep track. What is God doing in my life? What does he bring to the surface? That's what happens when we daily walk with him. So Jesus, while he doesn't say, if you're gonna do this daily, you're gonna read the Bible and pray, but he says, you're gonna, you're gonna pick up your cross, die to self, and follow Jesus. Well, how do I know how to follow Jesus? I go to his word. And then he says these crucial things. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to hold on with two hands, and man, nothing's gonna strip that away. You're, you're, you got it, man, it's all on you. He said, you will actually lose what you're trying to hold on to. But if you will open your hands and give up your life for him, you will actually save it. You'll actually be restored and renewed. Selfishness is not just claiming everything for myself and nothing to others, right? We see kids do that. Those are my crayons. That's, those are my French fries, right? I'm not gonna give to anybody else. Oh, how selfish they are. And yet as adults, we do it just with higher stake items. We try to control and manage. But the thing that keeps us bound up is when our focus is all about us. 
my desires, my wants. And so I hold on tight. And Jesus says, you're going to lose it all. But when you follow me, when you release to me, you gain it. Write this down for number two. I move forward in freedom by forgiving. By forgiving. So living in a place of unforgiveness allows resentment and bitterness to grow. So if we're talking about trying to take a step into freedom, to move forward in in freedom, this place of unforgiveness keeps us stuck. And resentment is one of those things that kind of takes root down within us. And we get mad and we get angry and we get upset because of what's been done to us. And we keep repeating and rehearsing the thing that was done, the thing that makes us mad and upset. And I wanna just acknowledge that this area is so nuanced, right? I'm not trying to make a blanket statement because many of you have been on the receiving end of anger and trauma and abuse. And I am not just saying, yeah, forget it, let it go. It's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. What you went through was hard and life-changing in some ways. And there may come a time when you need to confront what's been done to you There may be a time when you need to confront the people who have done those things in your life. I don't know what that looks like, but this is not just about being a doormat and just saying, well, you know, whatever, and and letting go. Because confronting may actually be a part of leaning into freedom. It may be finding the voice that God has given you and speaking truth. The Bible doesn't shy away from confronting wrongs. There's healing in that. But there's also something in forgiveness where we don't allow bitterness and resentment to take root. It's really where we say, I'm not God. And I'm gonna put this in God's hands. Look what Paul wrote. He says, since God chose you to be holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You ready for this? Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And we read that and go, that sounds so good until I'm in the situation where I've been hurt. And then it's like, hang on a second here. What what am I gonna do? But here's what Paul tells us. I don't have the right to hold someone long-term in unforgiveness because guess what? God's forgiven me. And if God has forgiven me, then he gently reminds us and challenges us that you can do this hard work of forgiveness as well. I thought when I was putting this together that maybe someday we should do a series called You Can Do Hard Things, right? Because forgiveness is hard sometimes. And God invites us in moments to to step into things and it's just like, I don't know if I can do it, right? I mean, like something like waiting and patience. How many of you like to wait? Yeah, that's what I thought. Nobody, nobody likes to wait, but there's times God says, I want you to wait. Well, sometimes I don't want to forgive and the Holy Spirit nudges me and challenges me that there are times I need to let go because God is inviting us into the freedom of life instead of bitterness, to, t- to take a courageous, a courageous next right step. Because here's the deal, bitterness keeps me looking backwards, what's been done to me. But freedom, freedom keeps me moving forward. Write this down for number three. 
I move forward in freedom by believing that Jesus accepts me. Jesus accepts me. Do you know what the opposite of acceptance is? Rejection. My guess is that every single one of us in this room at some time in our life, maybe multiple times, has felt the sting of rejection when someone doesn't want us. I remember in high school going out for the varsity soccer team and everything was going good and they, they posted the thing on the, on the gym wall. Here's the soccer team and I'd been cut. And I'd, I'd never been cut before from, from any team. And man, that stung. Now I gotta say something here and I'm just gonna acknowledge it. This is, this is my own ego that wants to speak this. Um, Two weeks later, I was brought back onto the soccer team. So I was, I was uh, so. Don't want you walking out of here going, man, he can't even make a team. No, I, I, I did, I really did. But that's, that's my ego, it's my ego, I know. Um, but but I, guess, I would guess all of us in this room have probably felt the, stung of, the sting of rejection um, from a, someone we were going out with, a boyfriend or girlfriend, feeling like they don't want me anymore. Um, I, I jokingly, uh, and I've told this before, my grandson, uh, he'll look at Gina and he'll go, you're my BFF, which best friends forever, in case you don't know that. And uh, it's just like, oh, that's so sweet. I don't think he even knows what BFF means, but he knows it's like, you know, you're right there with me. And so then I'll go, am I your BFF? And he'll go, nope. And it's like, what do you mean? He goes, you're my ex-BFF. It's like, I can't be an ex if I was never one to begin with, right? Like he just, it, it's so funny. And, and we can laugh at that lighthearted moment, but all of us know the rejection that hurts deeply because some of you have been rejected by a parent or a spouse. Maybe your kids have rejected you. It can wound us at this deep level. We wonder, am I worthwhile? Do I have value at all? And moving forward in freedom is coming to terms with the reality that Christ looks at you and his arms are open to us and he sees us, he knows you and, he's, and, and through the kind of cloud of all the stuff that kind of swirls around us, right? Self-doubt and all those things. Jesus looks at us and says, I want you, I want you. Here's what, here's what Paul wrote. He says, this includes you who are once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts. Yet now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he's brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. That's, that's, what, that's what God says. We were once far away, we were once enemies, we were once separated, but Jesus loves us. And so he came to this world, died on the cross, rose again from the, from the dead to save you and me. And then he invites us into his family. That's what's so powerful about this. But here's the thing, and we're coming to a close here. We also have an enemy. Now remember, we saw at the beginning, he's already been defeated. Jesus on the cross defeated all the works of the enemy but he's still out to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what the Bible gives Satan the title of the accuser? And he accuses us. And here's, here's what's so deceptive about his accusations, is they're partially true, but he ties them to a lie. And here's what he says. Remember what you did? Remember what you did? 
Remember what you said? Remember how you acted? Remember all those things from your past? Who do you think you are? And we look at that and go, you're right. You're right. I have messed up so many times. I did this. I did this. He's right. He's right. And then he ties it to the lie. Look at all that you've done. So how could God ever love you? How could God ever forgive you for what you've done? You don't deserve it. And he's weaving it all in with, with the lie because we don't deserve it. But God in his love and his grace gives it anyway. And so we take the accusations of the enemy and we say, you know what? I have to, I have to square those up with what the Bible says. Here's the truth. And this is what Paul writes in Ephesians 2. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your sin, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. And all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And we stop right there and we go, yep, that's me. That's me. And so the accuser wants to then go, so God could never accept you. But that's not what the Bible says. Look at the very next verse. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. And it is only by God's grace that you have been saved. He's accusing and reminding us, but God gives us this great privilege that in Christ I am loved and chosen and accepted. And that is the path forward to freedom. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I wanna end our time today by giving you the opportunity to take a step forward to Jesus. Because some of you have felt those accusations. You've, you've, you know that they're rattling around in your brain that you're not enough and you look at the past and all those things and you've been stuck. And you've been pursuing everything just for your own gratification and the whole idea of dying to self. It, it's hard to grasp and yet there's something in it you go, that's true. It's true. Because my pursuing everything I want with no boundaries has only led me to hard places, to places of, of loss and just feeling stuck. And so today is an opportunity for you to be free. And it happens when we come to Jesus Christ and we receive him as our Lord and our rescuer and our savior. And so in just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna invite us all to pray that prayer together. But before I do that, let me just ask you this. If you're here today to say, Dave, I wanna know Jesus as the one who forgives and rescues and saves me. I wanna follow him. If that's you today, no one's looking around, would you just raise your hand? Just raise your hand today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I see you guys. Would you pray this prayer with me? Let's just say it out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for going to the cross to pay for my sin. Forgive me of my past, wash me clean, 
I choose to follow you this day and forever. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Father, thank you so much for your incredible love and grace towards us. Thank you for loving us no matter what our past is like. Lord, you have come to set us free. And I pray, Lord, that we could, we could move forward in that freedom today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you stand with me? If you raised your hand today, if you raised your hand today, I want to encourage you to text this word decision uh, to that number and we'll send you a text back. It'll encourage you as you take these steps. As you leave today, let me give you the key verse for this whole series. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved at all, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. That's our challenge for today. So thank you so much for being here today. Hope you have a great day as you move forward in Jesus.